Mom, can I have some ice cream now? Yes, you can. Have you ever received a gift, and when you received it, you were thinking to yourself, why did someone give this to me? My great aunt Ruth was a wonderful woman. She lived in Tennessee. She was really fun to talk with. Uh, she was a great author. She gave some weird gifts. Uh, one year for Christmas, she mailed up some presents to us, and uh, I was in high school at the time, and she gave to me a banana holder. You don't know what that is? This is a picture of a banana holder. It's what every high school student wants to receive for Christmas. Uh, and to make it, make it even better, uh, my brother, who was in middle school at the time, he started opening his gifts. She gave one to him too, right? Is that, is that what you guys want for Christmas as a banana holder, right? Yeah, it's very popular in middle school these days. Um, but it was just like, why did she give this to us? More recently, uh, I had that experience actually with a gift that my wife gave to me. Uh, this was a few Father's Days ago, and my wife gave to me a portable pizza oven. So here's a photo of our portable pizza oven. This is in our backyard. And this thing's actually really neat. Uh, you fill it with wood pellets, and you light those wood pellets uh, on fire, and in just a few minutes, this thing gets hot enough that you can cook a pizza in about 90 seconds in it. Uh, but I had never seen one of these before she gave it to me. I hadn't read about it. I didn't know they existed. I had never asked for this. So when I started opening it on Father's Day, I didn't know what it was. And the kids are so excited, and so I'm like half opening the present, and they're already telling me what it is, and it's not making sense to me. And then Steph's trying to explain to me what this thing is, and I'm like, okay. And like the whole time, I'm like, why did you give this to me? So later that night, because I was trying to be nice, uh, we used it, and I fell in love with this thing. I mean, it is really, it's just so fun. And so now, almost every Friday night at our house, we have family pizza night. And I've really gotten into this. I'm making homemade pizza dough from scratch, and the kids are finding out different topics and different styles of pizza, and it has just been this, this really fun thing for our family. And I've often thought to myself, how did Stephanie know that our family was just gonna love this thing. How did she know that I would so enjoy this gift that I didn't even know existed? And the reason is because my wife knows me. In fact, I think she knows me better than I know myself at times. And because she knows me so well, she gives to me the best gifts. Do you know who else knows you really well? Do you know who knows you better than you know yourself? Jesus. And Jesus gives to you the best gifts, even ones you didn't know to ask for. One of the gifts that Jesus has given to us is the church. And that's why we're in the midst of this series, because far too often we don't make the most of the gift that God has given to us of one another, of the church. 
But in addition to the gift of the church, Jesus has also given to us specific gifts that will help us to make the most of the church. And it's those specific gifts which we're going to find in Ephesians chapter 4 today. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 7. I do want you to have a scriptures open in front of you, whether it's a digital version uh, or a paper copy, and that is true for those of you that are joining us online. Please have some scriptures open. If you want to use one of the Bibles that we provide for you, uh, those blue Bibles in the pew back, this will be found on page 1778. And the reason... Uh, that it's so important for you to have a Bible open. The reason I'm using my Bible and having it open in front of me is because we at Wooddale Church are convinced that this is the very Word of God. And everything we do here at Wooddale is Bible-based. And I want us to, to know that we together are studying the Scriptures, and together God's Word is going to be teaching all of us here today. Here's what the Word of God says to us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, the grace that Paul is referencing here is not saving grace. That's given freely to all who believe. This is referencing a specific type of grace that Paul is, over the next few verses, going to be explaining and unpacking to us. So to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives, and he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now, as you're looking at the scriptures, in verse 8, uh, you likely are seeing a, a good chunk of that or a section of that verse is in quotations. Or if you have a Bible that's similar to mine, it's even indented. And the reason for that is because Paul right there is not writing something that is original to him. He's quoting something from another part of Scripture. In this case, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament. Now, it's, it's pretty common that when people are reading, especially some of these New Testament letters, they'll come to something like that, and they'll read through it, and they'll go, okay, I'm not really sure what this is. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about Jesus. It, this is about Jesus, by the way. And then they just kind of read on. But if you do that, you might kind of generally understand what the author is getting at, but you may miss something really significant. So when you come across a quote from the Old Testament in the New Testament, it does us so good to stop and go back and understand, well, what was that Old Testament verse all about, and, and why is that being quoted here to really understand what's being communicated? So we're going to do that. So in this particular quote, uh, Paul is referencing Psalm 68, verse 18. Now that's a psalm of David. Uh, David was one of the kings of Israel, and uh, he wrote a number of the psalms. And in Psalm 68, what David is doing is he's kind of providing a poetic narrative history of the people of Israel. And he's writing about how God has always been providing for his people, about how God has been going before his people and defeating enemies on behalf of his people. And when he gets to verse 18, David there in that psalm is personifying God as a conquering king who is ascending back up to his city victorious over his enemies. And that image is one that was pretty common in the ancient Near East. And that was the time period in which the Old Testament was written. And in that day and age, you had a lot of different people groups. 
And those people groups at time would be at war with one another. And so one people group may be battling against another, and if one group defeated the other, the king that was victorious, when they conquered the enemy, they would have a victory parade. They would literally parade in the spoils of war back into their city. All the people of the city would come and gather and celebrate with them as the king, and then all the spoils of war were paraded into the city. Kind of the modern day example of this for us is what happens when an NFL team wins the Super Bowl. When that happens, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the city that, that, that has that team, they have a victory celebration. Uh, so the team kind of parades in in, in victory. I, I mention that because we haven't had that here in Minneapolis. Uh, yet, maybe this year, maybe this year is, is our year. Uh, but here, just to give you an example of what this looks like, this is from Kansas City, uh, this most recent year, uh, February of 23. And uh, this, is, this is it. So everybody kind of comes and gathers in, and, and then the, the team comes in, and, and, and they're, they're holding up the Lombardi Trophy. It's kind of the spoils of their victory that they're parading through the streets, and everyone joins together in a celebration. This is the image that Psalm 68, 18 is giving to us. So I want you to have this in mind. And, if you want to imagine this is purple and not red, that, that's fine. But have this in your mindset in terms of what, what the image that the Apostle Paul is giving to us. Which then brings us back to the text where we see in verse 8 where he says, this is why it says, and then he gives us that image. So you may be thinking, okay, so, so I have the image, but why, why, is, why is he referencing that? Well, what's that teaching us about the church? And what that passage is getting at is is a principle that actually God unpacks in other places in the Old Testament. David not only wrote Psalm 68, David also had a moment as the king of Israel where he had a victory celebration, a victory parade. It was a time in, in Israel's history where the Ark of the Covenant, that was a really important piece of furniture in the tabernacle. It was where the presence of God himself would be that the Ark of the Covenant was, was in different cities. It was not in Jerusalem. And King David wanted God's presence to be in the main city, in his city. And so God allowed him to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. It was a day of great celebration. And David went before, and they had all of these sacrifices, and, and, and David was dancing in the streets. He was so excited. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, it gives to us just a little, little story here about that victory parade in the city of Jerusalem. Speaking about David, it says, after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. And then here's what I want you to pay attention to. This is David. Then, then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites both men and women, which in the original language is just a way of saying everybody. So everybody got a gift from the king. Not just the priests, not just the military officers, not just those that were in administrative and high-ranking positions, everybody received a gift from the king. And the image that that is giving to us is a principle that when God's presence arrives, the king gives gifts in celebration. 
And specifically, Paul doesn't want us to miss that the king here is referring to Jesus, not David. That's why he's talking in verse 9 and 10 about all the ascending and descending. Don't read that out of context and think that Jesus was ascending to different levels of heaven and different levels of hell. That's not what it's talking about. Paul is simply saying Jesus is the one who descended down here to heaven. He was, he was with God the Father. Jesus has always existed in the second person of the Trinity. And he descended from that high position. He came down here to earth to walk among us, and then he died an atoning sacrifice on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. He was dead, he was buried, he descended into death, but he was risen on the third day. And when he rose victorious, he had victory over sin and death. Literally, King Jesus took sin and death captive, and he now has this victory, and then he ascended back up to the Father. So Paul's saying, don't, don't lose sight of this, that I'm referring to Jesus here. So the image we have of David is actually this forerunner of what Jesus does for us. Well, what's so amazing about Scripture is that the imagery doesn't stop there. That God actually, through one of his prophets, the prophet Joel, talks more about what's going to happen when God's presence arrives. And in Joel chapter 2, uh, the prophet speaking for the Lord says this about a day that was going to come in the future. He says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on my servants, and then here's this phrase again, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And the principle is, that when God's presence arrives, in this case, in the Holy Spirit, the king is gonna give gifts to everybody. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be a vocational minister. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be a worship leader. Everybody who is a follower of Jesus receives the gifts. And the gift is specific to Holy Spirit. But then there's, there's, there's special gifts that come along with that. In fact, this, this scripture was fulfilled on the day the church was born. That's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost. It, it, the Spirit of God comes, and, and the Holy Spirit is present. And, and the people that are the followers of Jesus, they start uh, declaring who Jesus is in all sorts of different languages. And those were all the languages of the people that had gathered in Jerusalem during Pentecost. And so, so many people are hearing about Jesus in their native language. And 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus and are added to the church that day. I mean, this was just an, a wonderful expression of, of God's grace and his presence and the Apostle Peter explains what's happening, and he says this is the fulfillment of what God promised would occur when his presence arrives. If you have said yes to Jesus, God's Holy Spirit is in you. And that's a gift from God, but listen, when God moves into your life, when the Holy Spirit moves into your life, he brings gifts. It's like a housewarming present. The King Jesus has given to you a specific gift that we refer to as spiritual gifts. And every single one of us who is a follower of Jesus has received at least one spiritual gift. So what is a spiritual gift? Maybe you've heard that phrase or you've heard people talk about spiritual gifts. I really appreciate how Wayne Grudem, who's a theologian and a pastor, 
defines this. It's very simple, but it's biblically accurate. He says that a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. That if you have any gift that God has empowered through his spirit and it's useful in ministry, that's a spiritual gift. And every single one of us have at least one. Now, in the New Testament, there are several references to spiritual gifts. And we see them in in different passages all throughout the New Testament writings, but there is not any one place where there is one definitive list of this is, this is what all those gifts are. So there are a number of gifts, but I want to share with you just one of those passages that comes from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, because it just gives us a snapshot into what some of those spiritual gifts might be, so we have an understanding of, of what they are. Here, here's what Paul writes In Romans 12, 6 through 8, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, which sounds a lot like Ephesians 4, 7 that we just read. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I want to just leave this up here for a few moments because I want to talk about some of these different gifts that the Apostle Paul references. The first gift he mentions is the gift of prophecy. Now, when we hear prophecy, oftentimes what we think about is future telling, about somebody telling what's going to happen in the future. And there's a part of that that's true Uh, when the Bible refers to prophecy. And then there's a great conversation to be had about, well, is that part of the prophetic gift still in existence today in this day and age? And that's an important conversation, but not one for today. But most of the time when the gift of prophecy is mentioned in Scripture, it's not referring to future telling. It's referring to forth telling, which just is truth telling. The people with a prophetic gift They provide clarity where there is confusion. They bring us back to God's already established truth. It's almost like people are getting distracted and the the person with the prophetic gift is like, hold on, this is is what God says about this. And it's just like, oh yeah, that's right. Kind of reorients everyone to the truth. And that gift is needed in the church today. Oh my goodness, do we need that gift. And so the Apostle Paul says, if if you have been given, if God has given you that unique ability, that gift to provide clarity about the truth where there is confusion, use that gift because the church is desperate for it. Paul goes on to say, if, if, if your gift is serving, then serve. Now, all of us are called to serve. Jesus himself came as a servant, so you don't have to have a spiritual gift of service to be involved in serving other people. But there are some of you who God has just given this supernatural ability to serve. And when you serve, other people are blessed. You just know how to do it, and you're really good at it. And it's such a benefit to the church. During the academic year, kind of September through May, one of my favorite evenings to be in our church building is Wednesday nights. 
Because on Wednesday nights, there's just so much happening. We have incredible children's programming that's going on. We've got great student programming that is going on. We have men's programs and women's programs. And, and, and everybody is just serving in their giftedness. It's just really fun to watch. But the people I love to interact with are the people who serve in our cafe. Because they have the spiritual gift of service. And they are always full of joy, and they're just so excited to be there, and they just know how to get things done very efficiently, very effectively. But like when you talk with them, it's, it's, like, it's like you're the only person who matters, even though they have all this stuff going on. I show up on Wednesday nights. I don't do anything productive here on Wednesday nights. Everybody else is doing stuff. I just walk around and, and watch people serve and their gifting, and I love it because it's the church in action. Amen. If you have the spiritual gift of service, then serve. Paul, Paul goes on to say, if, if it's teaching, then teach. So some of you, God has just given the unique ability to be able to understand Scripture and help explain it to other people. And, and because the, the, the church needs to rightly divide the, divide the Word of God and rightly study the Word of God, if you have been given that spiritual gift of teaching, that is a gift that we need. Don't keep that to yourself. There are, there are Bible studies and classes and programs where, where your, your teaching gift needs to be used so that the church can understand what the Word of God is saying to us and so we can conform our lives to, to the Word and, and, and to His Spirit moving. We, we need that gift if you have the gift of teaching. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Oh, we need encouragement these days, don't we? A couple days ago, I, I was out for a run and uh, I had mentioned to you last week, this is the danger of, of telling stories about yourself, but I mentioned to you last week uh, that I was, I was having some foot issues and some leg issues, and, and this day, just a few days ago, I was out running, and it just flared up. I was just not having a good day, and, and, and I was just discouraged. Did you know pastors get discouraged at times? So I was just discouraged. And uh, actually, I had stopped running. I was kind of walking up this hill near our house, and then I was turning around. I was going to head back home. And, and in my discouragement, I was, I was just kind of throwing up a little prayer to God about how frustrated I was about some things. And, and, I'm, and I'm walking back down the hill, and then here comes somebody from our church. And this person stopped me. <laughs> they said to me, they said, hey, I just want to let you know that last night I felt compelled to pray for you, which is just instantly encouraging. And then this person shared with me something that was on their heart when they were praying. And what they shared was so specific and so personal to the prayer that I had just prayed five minutes before. And I can't tell you how encouraging it was for my weary soul. If you have the gift of encouragement, the church needs to be encouraged. It's amazing to me that, that Jesus, when he chooses to give encouragement to one another, he uses other people in the church to do that. If God has uniquely equipped you to be someone who has the gift of encouragement, would you please encourage your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because we need that encouragement. Paul goes on to say, if your spiritual gift is giving, then give generously. Like service, all of us are called by God to give. You, you do not need to have the spiritual gift of giving in order to give. It's just an act of worship and it's something that all of us are to do. But there are some of you 
who God has just given the extra ability to give. Either God's provided resources for you that you're able to go give over and above what others might be capable of doing, or you just have a heart for being generous, or you give in other ways that aren't financially related, but you're just very generous in how you live your life or how you show hospitality to others. And if you have the spiritual gift of giving and you give generously, you enable the church to do ministry where she would not otherwise be able to do ministry which means there are people that get to hear about Jesus that would not otherwise hear about Jesus. That, that you get to, to, to minister to people and bless people in places and, and to do things that, that would otherwise not happen. That you get to make it easier on some of the, the, the operations of the church to be able to move things forward. That when you give, God uses that gift to accelerate his church and you got to be part of it because you gave. So if you have been given the spiritual gift of giving, Paul says, give generously. Because the church needs the gift. Paul says, if your spiritual gift is to lead, do it diligently. Do you know how you know if somebody's a leader? Are they leading? It's what leaders do. Leaders lead. And whenever we're looking for a leader for a ministry, we find someone who's already leading. There are some of you who God has just given this supernatural ability to lead. It's just who you are. When you accepted Jesus, you just, you just know how to lead things. You're pretty good at it. But sometimes you're not leading in the church. Why would you want to use that gift to, to lead other organizations and other programs and other activities, as good as they may be, but not lead in the church? If you have been gifted with the ability of leadership, would you step in and lead in ministries here in the church? Because in order for the church to move forward, in order for us to engage this, the post-Christian wave that's coming for our culture, we have to think different thoughts. We have to try innovative ways of doing ministry. We have to be a little more nimble. We need leaders to lead. God's given you that gift. Paul says, use it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. One of the ministries we have here at Wooddale Church is called Stephen's Ministry. And in Stephen's Ministry, we, we take people who often have the spiritual gift of mercy, and we train them and equip them. And what we do then is, is we connect them with people who are going through the hardships of this life. Folks that are just having a really tough time. And those who are the Stevens minister, they provide care and support, and they're, they're patient, and, and it's, just, it's just being merciful to someone and being with them in that season. And I have had people that have told me, oh my goodness, the, the Stephen minister that, that got connected to me, God used them in incredible ways to give me hope and encouragement when I needed it the most. They love those moments. But what's so fun for me is not just to hear those stories, but to then hear that from the perspective of the Stephen minister, who says, yeah, I'm just so humbled that God would choose to, to use me to, to impact that person, but I have to tell you, my relationship with God grew because of that. Like, I, like I, I became more aware of God's heart. Just amazing how God uses the spiritual gifts that we have been given to not only bless the church, but, but also when we use them to bless us, which is why Paul is saying, 
use these gifts. It's a way for us to join in the victory parade of Jesus. He's conquered sin and death, and, and he's establishing a new kingdom, a new way of being. And he says, you are my people. You are my church. You get to, to have these gifts so you can join me as we advance this, this gospel way of being out into our world. And when you use the gifts, you're part of that. Which brings me to the question about why is it that some people aren't? If every one of us who's a follower of Jesus has been given spiritual gifts, why is it that some of us don't use those spiritual gifts? I think there's primarily two reasons why. The first is some people just don't know their gift. They're just unaware of what their spiritual gifts might be. And if that's true for you, let me just briefly give you three helpful ways to find out what your spiritual gifts might be. The first is that there's a number of assessments. We link to one on our website, which you can find uh, right here, woodnoorg slash serving. And this assessment takes 10 or 15 minutes to go through. And uh, it's one that can be a helpful starting place to try to consider and understand what your spiritual gifts may be. Don't just take the assessment's word for it, but it can be a great place to begin that exploration and to begin that conversation. But maybe a second way for you to understand what your spiritual gifts may be would be to talk with someone who is also a believer in Jesus who knows you really well. They need to be a believer because our spiritual gifts only come into our lives when we've received the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes people could see in us what we are not able to see in ourselves. Last weekend we said that the eye cannot always see the eye that at times the, the eye cannot see the eye. I need someone else to see about me what I might not be able to see in myself. And so someone else who is a trusted friend, they can maybe give some perspective on what your spiritual gifts may be. And then the third way to try to explore what your spiritual gifts might be is get involved in ministry. Because our spiritual gifts, they, they come to the surface in moments of doing ministry. So if, if you have like tried to find your spiritual gifts and you've never been able to figure it out and you're just like, I don't know what they are, then, then get involved in ministry and often that gift that maybe you thought was dormant, it's going to come to life. I actually witnessed this a, a few weeks ago. Uh, so our family, we were on a short-term mission trip that was led here by a team at Wooddale and it was to go overseas and work with one of our global partners to put on a kids program, kind of like a, like a summer vacation Bible school day camp kind of a thing uh, in, in, uh, in this, this place overseas. And uh, I am the pastor that's part of this team and I have the spiritual gift of teaching adults. And so uh, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, kids are just small adults. So like, you know, and as the pastor, I probably need to be the one to put all the curriculum together. And so I spent hours before we left writing a lot of the curriculum and, and putting it together and thinking about it and trying to pray through it and, you know, kind of package it. And we, we printed it all off and we brought it with us overseas and we, we get over there, we get settled, we're all kind of ready to go and we're handing out the curriculum and, you know, the whole team's kind of a little anxious. How's this going to go? There's a language barrier and we're trying out Kyle's curriculum and these kids are coming in and, and then, and then the kids come in for the first day, and, and I know I wrote it, and I want to stay humble, but I just got to tell you, 
like the experience that these kids, like, like right away, it was evident that this was absolutely a disaster. <laughs> I mean, it was a mess. Like we barely made it to lunch on the first day. And it was just like, this is not working at all. And so we kind of get to, to the lunch break and the team we had, they were super nice about it. They're very polite. And so they were like, uh, how's it going? You know? and, uh, and Stephanie was just like, we need to make a change. I mean, just like super direct about it. And uh, we, we, just, we just threw out what I had written. I mean, we like, like literally set it aside. We never used it again. We didn't even open it back up. And, uh, and the rest of these volunteers, many of them were part of our Woods Kids program here at, at Wooddale. And they have the spiritual gift of teaching. Kids. And they took over. And it was like a night and day difference. These kids were engaged, they were participatory, they wanted to come back, that they were involved in what we were doing. It was an awesome experience to watch. And it was just their spiritual gifts just came alive in that moment. And I was stepping back going, these are the same people and just, and just a sampling of the people that every weekend at Wooddale we have in our kids program. I mean, this is like awesome to watch this in action. God has given to you spiritual gifts, and if you want to experience them, get involved in a ministry moment, and often those things will come alive. So get to know your spiritual gifts. But then there's a second reason why often our spiritual gifts may not be used, and it's that we're insecure about those gifts. You know, all of us deal with insecurity. And at times, I hear some phrases that are really insecurities about gifts. Here's, here's the first one. Somebody will just say, I'm not needed. You know, they walk into church, maybe a church like Wooddale, and they go, hey, there's a lot of people. Everybody seems like they're involved. Things are well organized around here. The people that are using their gifts are really operating at a pretty high level, so uh, I am not needed. I'll just kind of sit and watch. And I just have to tell you that that is a lie that you're believing. You are absolutely needed. Your spiritual gifts are needed in the body. And, and do you know who says that? Jesus says that. Because Jesus is the one who gave the gift to you. That's what Paul says in verse 7 of Ephesians 4. He says, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Jesus is the one who decided what gift you were going to receive. And by the way, Jesus is the head of this church. He's the head of every real church. It, 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 the pastor's not in charge of the church. A board's not in charge of the church. Jesus is the one who's in charge of the church. He says, you needed this gift because I know my body needs it. And so he handpicked you to be part of this church to use the gift that God has given to you. Jesus says your gift is needed. So if you have that gift, use it. And then there's a second insecurity that will often come is people say, well, I just, I just don't know enough yet. You know, I need, I need to learn a little bit more about faith. I need to become more familiar with the Bible before I can really start using my spiritual gift. But you kind of have it the wrong way around. Here's what is required to start using your spiritual gift. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know that Jesus is the, is the second person of the Trinity, that he's God's son, that, that he died your atoning death on the cross, and that he rose victorious, and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior? You've said yes to Jesus? If that's true, you've received the Holy Spirit, you know enough. 
You know enough to start using the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. And what's amazing is as you use that gift, you actually start growing in your faith. You start learning more. Because you quickly realize, I have to rely on God even more. I can't trust myself. And you start to realize that, that, that I have to learn more, and, and Scripture starts to come alive, and I get more invested in Christian community, and that causes me to grow. And I start being concerned about the things of God, and that causes me to grow. And, and just that simple act of starting to use your spiritual gifts, it, it connects you to Jesus in a way that you haven't been connected before, and you grow like you've never grown before. And then there's a third reason that sometimes I hear, and it just breaks my heart when people say this, but they'll say, I'm too old. My time's done. Not relevant anymore. I've done my time. It's time for somebody else to do it. And that too is a lie. And, and, and the person that you need to take this up with is Jesus himself because he decides when your time is done with your spiritual gifts. And the day that you're done with your spiritual gifts is the day he calls you home. Until then, he has entrusted that gift to you. And more than that, he wants to give that gift to his body. And if you say, I'm not using my gift anymore, you are telling Jesus, I'm not going to give this gift to the people that you wanted to receive it. And you don't wanna end that way. Now you want to use the gifts every day that he's given to you so the church can be built up. Do you know why? Because when we use the gifts that Jesus gives to us, we make the most of the church that he has given to us. And Jesus gives to us the best gifts. So use what he's given to you. The church needs it. Jim is someone who had been here at Wooddale for a number of years, and he heard about a, a new ministry opportunity called SRT, a security and, and special response team. And, and Jim looked into this and started getting involved and found out that he was uniquely gifted in this way, and it has made a huge impact, not only for him, but for all of us at Wooddale. Please draw your attention to the screen. I'm Jim Maxa, and I serve on Wooddale's SRT team. What got me to Wooddale was my cousin's wedding. We came, my wife and I came to that wedding and really uh, fell in love with Wooddale, the pastors here that we met. And so then we started to attend. My whole family uh, has been attending since. My first service at Wooddale uh, came through my participation in a Bible study when I was asked to be a leader in a Bible study. Then uh, I got brought into ushering, and I was an usher for many, many years. I became an usher captain, and then uh, I was ushering one day, and one of the other ushers was recruited for SRT. He couldn't really do it, but I thought I would check it out, and that's how I came to be serving in SRT. I've always been, I guess, a protector, uh, even as a kid. If a kid, if someone was being picked on in the schoolyard, I would step in and usually get bounced around as a result, but that's just in my DNA. Being a member of SRT has really 
made me listen to God a lot more. I, I have a tendency to try and take care of everything myself. And with this, I've had to step back and say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Um, because I may not have the best answer, but I know you do. We want people to come here to worship and not worry about anything else. We'll take care of that. Uh, you just come here and worship. That's, that's why you're here, and that's, that's why we want to serve, so people can do that. We all have different gifts, and we all have different uh, talents, and we embrace that with an SRT. We don't all have to be cookie cutters. I guess what I would say to someone who would be wondering if they should step in and serve, uh, absolutely. There, there is nothing more rewarding or more um, fulfilling than serving. I mean, that's actually what it's all about, isn't it? Just to get real practical with you, if you're not involved in a ministry, you're not involved in serving, you want to explore what those spiritual gifts are, there's opportunities to do that here. It doesn't have to just be at Wooddale, but it needs to be in a ministry context to use those spiritual gifts, and we would love for it to be here at Wooddale. So as you leave this place, if you're here in the worship center, we have just outside tables of different ministries where you can be involved. They'll be here this week and next week because we want you to use the gift that God has given to you so that you make the most of the gift that Jesus handpicked for you and so all of us can make the most of the church that he has given to us. Let me pray. Father God, we are grateful for the gifts that you have given to us. Father, I pray that Lord, we would not take for granted how you have chosen to gift us. But Father, that we would understand that this is one of the many ways that we worship you is by using the gifts that you've given to us. So Father, I, I pray that each and every one of us would find our place to use those gifts so we can join in your victory celebration. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.